This is Paul Nobles from Eat Perform. I am sitting here with April Blackford. April, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hi, everyone. Now, April says I look younger today, and presumably because I have a regular shirt on. Yeah, um, because you got a you got a facial. I can tell. Facial? I didn't get a facial. Though my head is a little shiny today. I don't know why that is. Um, but so. Uh, well, I don't. I, I don't think I can really announce what we're going to be doing next week. But the goal next week is to do something really, really super cool that I think is going to be a lot of fun. And so, um, hopefully, we have more than than eighteen people. Um, so we'll we'll kind of we won't let the cat out cat out the bag. But it's going to be a good time. So the. Discussion we're going to have tonight is how we used to get people lean and why it still works. And um, I don't know, April, did you want to like, I mean, you were probably, you know, the, the, the person that spearheaded it the most. Um, I mean, I can tell you guys in the beginning, um, we didn't really uh, suggest to people to even count calories. And so um, once I, we got past I, that. I started to say I made that recommendation. <laughs> I mean, like, and, and it was, you know, it was a great recommendation. I mean, it certainly it wasn't like I never counted a calorie before. Um, but I felt like at least early on, you know, that it would be smart for people to um, lose the restrictive mentality. And I, and I, you know, I think when we sort of landed on, well, yeah, but I mean, and this is probably April's influence more than anything, that how do we coach them if we don't really know what's happening? And what I think was happening for a lot of people was – you know, if you are coming from a restricted background, as an example, um, and we may take some questions tonight, but, you know, my guess is we're, you know, I'm long-winded and that's probably not going to happen. But, um, but what I think ultimately the idea of counting calories to reverse diet is something that's not really out there. And the more we started talking about it, the more interest there was. And what was really interesting about it was, you know, when we were initially talking, it was mostly ideas. And I was talking to Mike. I've known Mike for almost as long as I've known April, which is, you know, roughly six, seven years. Um, but Mike didn't come on to eat to perform. So probably six to eight months in, and I talked to him about writing the manual for fat loss, which is metabolic flexibility. And the reason why I thought that that was important was because Mike was kind of instrumental in being both fat adapted and carbohydrate adapted, right? And so as we started introducing 
you know, I didn't want to make it to a point where, oh my goodness, you absolutely have to count calories, right? Because I, I don't count calories most of the time. And um, I certainly don't think that people should have to count calories for the rest of their life. But I do think that for most people that are trying to figure out like a formula for health, that's when I did count calories. That's when I did, you know, have some level of um, precision as it relates to caloric intake. And so if you know, as an example, that our approach is somewhat related to carb cycling where you're having the majority of your carbohydrates on your workout days and then you have you know, mostly fats on um, rest days, then you pretty much know the formula that we had with one exception. So, April, does that seem like a good handoff for you where you can kind of talk about what what the approach was? Um, at the time, we like to call it, and I still, Jill and I still call it the gradually awesome approach. Um, yes. But basically, you focus on eating an adequate amount up to your your TDEE on your workout days, and then on the days that you're not training, you eat less. Um, so you create a small deficit on your training days, which in turn will, will, you know, depending upon the person, if the person needs to, for their weight to, you know, gradually reduce down, they'll see slow and gradual progress, you know, versus, you know, eating and then going through fat loss um, building cycles, basically. Yeah, so 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 let's talk about why you would use one as opposed to like you know two week mini cuts or the wave method or you know any of the various ways that we can sort of help people get lean. Why you would do that? Okay, so a lot of people are going, wait, what is that? Wait a second, I thought eat to perform was like the wave method, and and if you've ever you know, listen to our live seminar or if you've ever even read our book, you know, one of the things that we talk about is that the wave method is is a method, a method, not the method. And even in the case of the gradually awesome approach, right, um, it's a method, not the method. There's a lot of ways to get lean. What I would say is the benefit to the gradually awesome approach is that um, you it's it's a little more cautious than the wave method right the wave method you're sort of gradually moving up to a a higher number I think when you do like the math on um, something like the the gradually awesome approach that that April's talking about it's very it's it's not it's not going to get your metabolism kick-started you're not going to feel tons of energy but the people that it's really good for are the people that are sort of scared to death and one of the things that you know we talked to Jill um, I think Suzanne's probably fairly similar right Stacy certainly um, you know makes the argument what I think happens when 
you've been dieting a lot of your life, you know, as a lot of us have. Even in my case, you know, I started dieting pretty restrictively in my 30s. When you have that, you know, for myself, I was able to introduce a lot of, you know, my the way that I got lean did look like the wave method. The way that we got a lot of people lean, including CrossFit Games athletes, by the way, um, was this gradually awesome approach. And so is that useful? It is useful. The problem that you run into, though, is that people go, well, I've been doing Eat to Perform for six months. And... I'm doing great. I haven't gained a lot of weight. You know, I'm doing better at the gym. I'm eating more than I ever did. And then we would talk to people and it'd be like, well, what's your workout day calories? 1,900. What's your rest day calories? 1,600. Now, I'm saying that sort of flippant, but if you were coming from 1,100, you know, every day, that's a monstrous change, something that you should be really super proud of. But does that mean that you then get to cut from that number? Not really. That's not the idea there. The idea there is to gradually kind of move up to a number. And I would even make an argument beyond that, and I think Jill is a good advocate for this. I wish she could come on, but, you know, she's always busy. Okay. I, mean, I tried to get her to. This is like the third podcast that I brought, brought her up. She's like basically a, a legend in, in podcast land. You know, she's like the – do you ever watch Jimmy Kimmel? You know, and he always talks about how Matt Damon's going to be on the show, but Matt Damon actually never gets on the show. Jill is like the Matt Damon in this scenario. Um, but one of the things that Jill makes an argument for that I think is, is really a good argument with the gradually awesome approach, you never have to PFFL. That's a huge plus. Now, you're not going to get shredded, you know, and you're not going to see major metabolic gains, but you're not going to see a lot of weight gain, right? You're not going to um, see maybe the massive jumps in the gym. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because I don't want people to feel like, you know, there's only one way to do it, you know. And I don't want people to feel pressured, you know. One of the things that that's kind of disappointing and, and in some ways it's it's just the way it is, right? I'm – pretty good at marketing. So I'm just going to tell you guys some things about your behaviors that you might not know. Okay. When you push that button to click buy, a lot of you figured out, figured that you solved the problem. And mentally marketers know this, right? They know that, you know, people feel a sense of re release when they simply press buy. Okay. What we set in place, because there was a lot of, you know, I would say, I would say 
we've probably left a lot of these people in the dust. You know, three years ago, there was a lot of ebooks out there that we've sort of put a lot of heat on because we went from literally seven people to 60 people to support you guys. The problem, though, is if you click the button and click buy or you go into the forums or you go, you know, you buy, download your materials or you get your plan, you know, all the things that we've done to put in place. We also have a lot of people to talk to. And early on, we had a lot of people talking to those people. But nowadays, people get their plan, they read their books. We're only talking to 5% of them, like from a data standpoint. Then we might see 5% of them later when they go, I'm doing it wrong. And it's like, I wish we were able to talk to you a little bit earlier. You know, that's why we put it in place, you know. But what I think happens for some people, I think that there's kind of a the, the gamut, right? And in general, most people want to be a little bit more flexible than they are. And, you know, they want to go to date night and have a glass of wine, which is, you know, awesome. A lot of people, though, this isn't their first diet rodeo, you know. And so we're trying to walk people through a healthy relationship with food that allows the food to come back. But the problem that you run into is it used to be when we were talking about the gradually awesome approach, people weren't as in a hurry to dive face first into a cheesecake. <laughs> and it seems like today people are sort of like losing their mind. Like I talked to a guy today and, you know, he was explaining his situation and, you know, it, it wasn't overtly positive. And so I said to him, I was like, well, you know, what do you think happened? He's like, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't really know. You know, I'm just gaining weight and really struggling. I'm like, really? Because I think you know. Like, I think we all know. I think, I think, I think it's relatively simple, right? If you were eating just chicken and kale, and now all of a sudden, you know, you move to almost no chicken and kale and a lot of Oreos, you know, and you're not sleeping well, and you used to go to the gym, but now you don't, right? Well, I hate to tell you, but that ain't need to perform, you know? And I think more than anything, you know, the way that we viewed the science lab um, and, and, you know, we, we're, what we're trying to do all of the time is create products for you guys that allows you to use those products and communicate with coaches, okay? We've not ever created a product where you don't have the ability to talk to a coach, okay? But as an example, you know, we sold a product this weekend. We've sold roughly 350 of them. 
of the 350, about 30 signed up for the support, right? So most people got the book with no support and no help. And that's sort of missing the point, you know? And, you know, certainly we have layers of support. You know, there's kind of like, you know, entry level where people are going to be able to help you. Um, I mean, and then there's very acute where, you know, we have the, the group coaching um, or April's the head coach. You know, I'm one of the people that does it. You know, we have Dr. Brad Dieter um, that's also part of that. Dr. Dr. Ryan, Dr. Mike also has a training lock in the group coaching too. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean we, we we have PhD level people, we have dietitians um within the structure of eat to perform. Um I I think that one of the most disappointing parts of this conversation, and we'll sort of get back to the gradually awesome part. You know, was as I was talking to Jill and we were talking about the interaction that we used to have with people that we seem to struggle to get now because it seems like people just, they, they, they read their books, they get their plan, and then boom, you know, either Eat Reform worked for me or Eat Reform didn't. You can't say Eat Reform didn't work for you if you never talked to an Eat Reform coach. We hire 60 people to help you. You know, each coach has succeeded doing need to perform, you know? So they're going to be some of the best people that you can communicate with. And so, so April, can you talk a little bit, like just, I just, I just wanted people to know what's available to them. There's not a person listening to this podcast. If you've bought something from me to perform, you have the ability to communicate with a coach, whether it be through, you know, I mean, even through the Facebook page, you know, if you send us a question, we're, we're likely going to answer it, you know. But if you bought a book, you know, there's some, some Facebook interactions. Certainly the forums is where a lot of the magic happens. And then there's obviously group coaching. But talk a little bit about some instances where Gradually Awesome probably makes a lot of sense for some people. I think when – Obviously, everybody is different and it doesn't fit for everyone. Um, but like what you're saying, gradually awesome. If you're patient and you're, you know, you don't, you know, you don't really want to, you're scared and you don't want to see, you know, the scale spike up, you know, within a week or two, <laughs> should I say, you know, it's kind of, you're, you're just kind of more kind of dipping your toes in the water and then gradually going swimming. Um, I will say that the gradually awesome approach does work a little bit better for people that train a little bit less. Um, for someone that's just training three or four days a week, it works perfectly for them. I have actually, even in the group coaching, when it comes time for someone to go through a fat loss phase, I have actually, rather than, than doing a structured PFFL, I just reduce their their calories down on their recovery days when they only train three days a week. Um, you know, that's kind of more of the the gradually awesome approach. Um, you know, it's you have time. You know, you don't. You know, necessarily if it's something where whenever you start and you need to lose eight pounds within you know 
14 weeks, you know, and you're not coming from an overfed background, you know, chances are it may not be for you. Um, you know, but the, I think it's, I think it's different for everyone. Um, but a, a lot of people have seen great success with it. And a lot of people, if you're more competitive and you're more athletic in the gym, you know, that type of thing, you compete a lot. You know, I do think the wave is a better fit in that, you know, scenario because, you know, if you're really trying to push your, your strength gains and, and performance and things like that, and that's not saying that you're not going to see performance, you know, gains doing the gradually awesome approach. No, I mean, if, you, if you're coming from like a restrictive paleo background, you were eating 1,100 calories or something like that, and you move, you know, up, you know, where your rest days are even kind of low, um, there is somebody that has their hand raised. We don't really do that. Um, I want to. I want to add too that I will say that for the gradually awesome folks, that eventually over time, they do their calories do get bumped up. You know, because eventually over time, you know, as they adjust to the food and assimilate the nutrients, you know, after a couple of months, their calories go up on you know nine out of ten times on both training and recovery days. You know, the, the moderate level carbs isn't enough for them anymore. So, so if, if you're not familiar with the various approaches we use to help people get lean, basically you have the approach that April's talking about. So if you, if you, you know, not, you know, a gym killer, you work out twice a day, six days a week, you know, um, which I don't do that. You know, um, I, I think that, um, you know, I've been able to find a good balance to where I don't have to get too restrictive um, on the, um, in, in some ways, like the way that I personally do things isn't necessarily, um, you know, I would say it's kind of a combination of the two um, because I'm not constantly pushing this top end and, you know, you know, metabolism be damned. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I do keep an eye on my weight. Um, I am going to, uh, you know, I mean, I, I lost 80 pounds. I'm not going to, you know, try and, you know, jeopardize that. You know, there was a time where I was relatively cavalier about that. And then, you know, it, it just didn't seem, you know, if I was talking to a 22-year-old person, this is one thing that I had a conversation with somebody about today, and they asked me, what's the one thing that I would recommend to them? The one thing that I would recommend to them is don't put on excessive body fat, you know, and, you know, keep working out, get your metabolism kind of going in the right way, you know. Sort of like what we were talking about with the gradually awesome, but where, you know, if you were 22, you kind of just gradually moved it up to a decent number. But when your body, you know, creates fat cells, you know, like it would do in the case of somebody that um, is dealing with obesity issues, excessive fat or something of that nature, your body is going to be more prone to store fat in those scenarios. And so you're going to want to be relatively cautious. You know, you're not going to just like dive in and go, dude, I so got to lift, you know, 500 pounds and, you know, just gain 50 pounds to do that because the price that you'd have to pay for that 
you know, it's not something that, you know, I know a lot of females wouldn't, you know, wouldn't want to hear, you know. But one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, this podcast is I wanted everybody to know that this is okay. I mean, like, if you're 45 years old and, you know, you're not, you know, dying to jump up to 3,000 calories, gradually working and adding calories, maybe you get to 3,000 calories at some point. But at the same time, we can't really have a discussion about, you know, if you gain two pounds, it's two-week mini-cut time. It's PFFL time. You know what I mean? Because you're already moving up patiently. So that's where I really want the differences to be. You know, gradually awesome is, is you're going to be patient. You're really not looking at cuts. You're not looking at two-week mini cuts. You're not looking at PFFLs. You're really trying to gradually walk through a process. And is that going to be comfortable? I would say I'd say it's probably not going to be super comfortable. If you were coming from a restricted background, 1,100, and you move up to 1,300, and you gain a pound, my guess is that would make you a little uncomfortable until your metabolism adjusts. And then you allow for it to kind of get get to the right way. I think the other thing, too, that, that is really important to this discussion is that this might be a better fit if you've been dieting for a really long time, you know. And 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 there's another, another group that it would be a really good fit for, too, and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. If you've been dieting for a really long time, it's very well known that your body and metabolism will adjust within weeks of you eating in a restrictive way. So if you've been eating that way for the last 30 years, you know, don't just jump up to eating your Fitbit, you know. I wrote multiple articles talking about, you know, I wrote the one article about eating your Fitbit and everybody's like, oh, my God, I got to eat my Fitbit, you know. Um, and then I wrote two other articles that talked about you might not want to eat your Fitbit just yet, right? The gradually awesome approach can get you there, you know. I would say, you know, we've had probably three years of Eat to Form challenges. In that time, I would say two years of the winners all did the gradually awesome approach. And if you look back to all of them, I mean, many of them are coaches now on Eat Reform. Christine Calvert's a coach. Sarah Stoyberg is a coach. Um, I'm trying to think, who am I missing? Did Jordy ever win a challenge? Maybe not. No, did, um, did Stephanie win one? She was featured. Stephanie McFadden? Yeah. Did she win or I know she was featured on the page. She's another I don't think Catherine. I don't think Catherine ever won one. Yeah. But, but that was because we hired her. That was that was straight gradually awesome for me right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, Catherine, Catherine, I mean, honestly, Catherine's one of the main coaches in Eat to Perform. You know, she's kind of a fixture everywhere. Um, but if you don't know Catherine, you don't know, like, how good her progress was. And so, you know, really – I mean, you could really point to all the guys too, right? I mean, Chris Dietz, of course, you know, stands out. But David Christian, um, it, you know, is great. I mean, I still argue that 
Eddie Lindenstein is one of the best, you know, um, success stories that we've ever had. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna vote for James. James is pretty damn well, good. Yeah, I mean, like when you see James's picture, you know, from when we first met, you know, to where he is now and how strong he is, and you know, and then of course Taylor. I mean, if you know, if you don't know Taylor, um, Taylor was 160 pounds when he started eating perform. Right now, I think he has 172 pounds of lean mass. You know, and he weighs 190 something pounds. So, so we've had a lot of success. A lot of those people went on to become, you know, Eterform coaches, and they're the people that kind of help you. the The last group that I wanted to talk about um, was the people that have more fat to use. When we initially wrote the gradually awesome approach, we were really talking about people who were obese, right? And, you know, males that were over 300 pounds, uh, you know, actually the initial article that I wrote called Gradually Awesome Approach for Larger Athletes, I think it was called, one of the guys that reached out to me was 425 pounds. And then, you know, we had a number of females that were, 300 pounds plus, high twos. Um, and so I wrote this article talking about, you know, how one, being super restrictive for a long period of time was kind of a net negative. Um, and then just kind of walk through the general idea. But I think what happens in, in a lot of scenarios like that is the habits and and you know i'll speak i'll use myself as the example you know one mentally i just allowed myself permission to eat for joy all the time if i had a bad day i ate for joy if i had a good day i ate for joy you know there was just no time where i didn't you know Coupled that by the fact that I would eat these ginormous meals and then, you know, I wasn't necessarily hungry. And so it always kind of set up this negative metabolism. And then I wasn't really working out very much. So there was, there was kind of a, a confluence of factors. The good majority of people with more fat to use tend to have more behavioral issues. And I know that you know, for myself and most of the people that we've worked with, it's about forming good habits and a better relationship with food. Um, sometimes it's about eating a little bit more consistently and things of that nature. I think that, you know, what happens for myself and for a lot of people that ended up with more fat to use will often tend to, um, Undereat and then overeat and go off the rails, you know. And then we'd undereat for six months, and then like I can't live like that, you know. I'd rather be fat, you know. And then all of a sudden, you know, for like the next year, I'd be off the rails. And what I learned was, you know, through that process, and and I'm not 
speaking to anyone because I think sometimes people internalize this like I'm talking to them. I'm explaining my journey. I'm explaining the way that I did things. If you can relate to the way that I did things, awesome. I hope that that you know, helps you as you're trying to figure things out because you know, I had that point where I had excessive fat. But I've also had point, points of my life where I've been skinny fat, and I've also had points where, you know, um, I've undereaten and had a bad relationship with food. And so, you know, some level of habits and things like that make a difference. But the one thing that I was able to figure out was the activity part, that if I didn't have activity – you know, I remember being 230, and actually I was talking to a friend of mine who was a real good friend of mine when I was in my 20s, and, and both of us were pretty active, and we played touch football, and, you know, and then as we started to get into our 30s, and we started to gain weight, and we were like, you know, well, we'll just coach this year, you know, and we allowed all the other people to run circles around us because, you know, we had some bad lifestyles and some bad habits. And so he, he talked to me yesterday, and he'd lost 55 pounds, and I was talking to him about how he lost the 55 pounds, and it was pretty much how I lost, you know, a bunch of weight every other time, you know, other than this. Basically, he just worked out a lot and ate very, very little. And what I said to him, you know, I said, it's awesome that you had that accomplishment. I said, but you're really at risk of gaining a lot of weight really quickly you know and i said if you stick to where you're going it's going to be very difficult for you to thrive as an older person because he's like you know just turned 50. i said so so we'll fix some of those habits but don't misunderstand me what you did so far is awesome right so he's 193 pounds i was like you know we want to make sure that you you don't go over 200 but you're gonna have to gain a little weight you know the the simple fact of the matter is is you're eating like a you know like a a, a nine-year-old you know um because i think i i remember that phase for myself when i was trying to lose weight in the past i just wanted to eat like less of the foods that i liked as if that would work you know and it never did because, you know, I would get eventually tired of it. And, you know, I just remember like for so many years, oh, my God, like I don't mean to be negative about is it like Progresso soup, you know? Um, oh I used to eat that too, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was like, it was like, you know, was like, The one I ate was like 100 calories for like the whole can. <laughs> Yeah, but I remember I remember having one that was like 350 calories, and that was like a meal, you know? And that's what he's talking about. He's like, well, you know, I'll have a protein bar, and, you know, I'll have some soup, and then a lot of times I'll have a salad. I'm like, okay, so you're at about 900 calories, you know, for the day. And I was like, um, I was like, do you ever, you know, eat more than that? He's like, well, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I go to the bar – and I started drinking beer and eating chicken wings and just can't stop. I was like, yeah, because you're hungry. You know, I said, we need to be a little bit more prepared than that. And, you know, one of the things he said to me that was kind of interesting 
was, why don't you take me to a grocery, grocery store and show me what you buy? And I was like, honestly, dude, I don't, I don't have like this magical grocery list. You know I mean? I try to have ground beef prepared. I make enough chicken so I can eat that available. I eat Chipotle a fair amount. You know, I've never seen anyone other than me order triple chicken. Um, I mean, you order triple chicken in Chipotle, you're like a rock star. I mean, like, like it's sort of like Cold Stone Creamery when you tip them and they start singing the song. That's sort of what it's like when you order triple chicken at Chipotle. Like, like the whole, hey, I think he, I think he's ordering triple, triple chicken. Um, but you know, triple chicken has roughly ninety six grams of of uh, of protein. You know, assuming that they give you the amount that you're purchasing. Um, That's the tricky part. Yeah. So, um, you know what Vicky did? Oh my goodness, I couldn't believe it. So the woman, you know, very clearly is like a light scooper, right? And Vicky goes. Um, would you mind putting more chicken on that? Now, normally, if you want extra chicken, you have to pay for it, you know. But no, she did ask for double chicken, you know. But then goes, would you mind just putting more chicken on that? I was like, I can't even believe you got away with that. That was like some ninja type shit. You know? I do that all the time. <laughs> see, but I see, but you're different than Vicky, right? I mean, like. Like you notice, I think you're a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say bitchy, <laughs> but I'm going to say. I know. I am sweet. I am sweet as pie when I want something and then I get it. And the, the funny story, you're, you're talking about the meat. So I've learned, so Tom and I, we go to sometimes when we're busy, um, maybe on the weekends, we go to Harris Teeter, the fancier grocery store in town, and they have the deli where they have all these fresh, healthy meats and, you know, like kale salad and you know, roasted potatoes, whatever. And it's dirt cheap. You can get like a meal for like six bucks. And, you know, I'm all about cheap. But anyway, so I've caught on to their tricks. The If there is a female working, you know, you go and you order the meal, they give you like these spare looking bird serving and the yeah. males I'll send Tom over to the other side of the store to go get some eggs or something and the other day they got normally they give you two slices of like thick slices of turkey loin this guy was like hey can you hook me up with some meat please and then I smile he gave me 12 pieces of meat <laughs> like 12 pieces of meat so so you have to know how to work the angle so you have to be sweet it depends I mean like if you're rocking the tank top and you know, I don't know. I, I, I see you getting away with a lot more than I can get away with. Let's just put it that way. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, when you have a lot of fats to use, you want to be more cautious. You know, I think the other thing, too, that I think is, is really important to the discussion is that when you have more fat to use, at some point, you are going to have to suck it up. You know, you're going to have to be a little uncomfortable. And I think that it 
it's one thing to kind of listen to eat perform and feel good in the gym and in all these types of things. But I know for myself, at 230 pounds, I was not going to be the kind of athlete that I wanted to be, you know. And it's one thing to give up on, you know, being like shredded or ripped or whatever. Because, I mean, frankly, I think, you know, getting closer to 50, that's not as important to me. I mean, I have abs and, you know, whoop-de-doo, right? Um, I mean, I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, I mean, I know that a lot of people think, well, if I could just get to this weight, you know, I'd be happy, you know. And I feel like they haven't been there and they don't know, you know. And if they did know, they'd know that eating more flexibly and being able to do cool stuff is important. But one of the things that, you know, does come up a lot is like the, the idea of BMI and how BMI charts are bad and things of this nature. I kind of agree with that, but I mostly don't. You know, and I think that surprises people because I'm going to tell you, like, I worked my ass off to lose 80 pounds. You know, it was not easy, you know, and it was not comfortable. And when I did what basically ultimately became the wave method, um, I was losing like 15 pounds at a time, you know. Now, I think that 8 to 10 pounds is better, you know, um, but – at 2.30, you know, I guarantee you I lost 15 pounds those times, you know. Um, and I think that that's what's happening for a lot of people, right? They're, they've gotten comfortable eating an adequate amount of food. They're, they're, you know, they're eating their vegetables. They're having their protein. They're feeling better at the gym. Go the next step, you know. It's going to be uncomfortable. It might take you a year or two to get to where you want to go, but it's worth it. You know, and, you know, even if we're talking about the gradually awesome approach and yeah, it's going to take you a little bit of recovery. I mean, usually for the gradually awesome approach, you know, we're really talking about, you know, kind of people with more fat to use or people coming from a restricted background. Most of the people in the middle tend to be able to do like something like the wave method fairly easily, right? They can, you know, if you're 175 pounds, you can work out. You can run, you can do CrossFit, you know, you can do all these, you know, awesome type things, right? Um, a lot of people kind of sit on the other side. You know, there's there's some people that are lean. They're like, you know, I like weightlifting, but I like having a certain type of aesthetic. Then there's, you know, people that ultimately have more fat to use and maybe they gravitate a little bit too much to weightlifting, or maybe they graduate gra gravitate to things that are excessive cardio. Um, and so we kind of coach people to moderation. Um, so I, I think we kind of covered that. Um, do you feel like there's yeah, I much just more? Add a, a couple of um, a couple of things, a couple of my observations with the. Um, you know, when someone's coming from a restricted background, you know, we give them the reverse plan, you know, where they gradually, you know, increase up to where they should be, which is how it should be. But, you know, I see a couple of things that, that I've, I've observed um, a lot in the, the forums is, 
I think too many people have, they have their plan on, on paper and black and white and they feel like they have to push it, you know, and in some cases when they're not hungry or, you know, kind of forcing the food, that type of thing, um, you know, it's okay to skip a week, you know, it's okay to hang out at week three for another week and then move to week four, you know, don't feel like you have to reach that deadline. You know, that's, that's one of the observations is, you know, it's okay to gradually, you know, kind of, you know, build it up and let your hunger, you know, kind of stimulate itself. Um, also though, like what we were talking about, the gradually awesome approach, you know, the, the end goal should never be to, and Jill and I have discussed this, but the end goal should never be to, and you and I have discussed it, but to, you can't nestle back up to the, you know, to the re over restriction. You know, because that's not what it's about, you know, and the people that, you know, yes, the gradually awesome approach, but if you're constantly wanting to try to, you know, lean back to your old ways or the old, you know, over restricting food and things like that, you're missing the point because, you know, you can't do that. Yeah, because I, I think that, you know, on the one hand, you know, we're doing this podcast so you guys know that this is available. Um, I'm going to write an article that talks about this. And so, you know, we can kind of have these discussions in the forums, but you can't like do the gradually awesome approach and then go, I want my PFFL numbers. It's like, that's not how that works. You sort of have to pick or choose. Right. And so, so kind of keep that in mind. So I was going to lead with, the podcast with this because um, we were going we were going to talk about it. And one of the things that we tried to do with the podcast to make it a little bit more entertaining. Um, my guess is most people won't even get to this point of the podcast, so I'm probably safe in this regard. Um, but I was in a meeting with uh, Sarah and uh, uh, April the other day, and we were talking about being like you know, ride or die, you know, eat to perform, ride or die. And, um, and I said, wait a minute, before I interrupt you, you tell your awesome story. It came up because of the Friday calls. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I still, I still have Fridays off. And you were like, well, wait, we don't have Fridays off. I was like, well, hold up, hold up. I've not taken a single damn day off since I started. So I am always there. <laughs> and then that's when you told the ride or die story. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, I mean, if, if you guys know us, I mean, in general, you know, we're, we're always kind of on, you know, even on days off, we're still checking our phones. We're still kind of in the forums and stuff like this. And as you know, in response to April, April's response about being each form ride or die, I was like, honestly, April, you don't really know ride or die. And she's like, what are you talking about? You know? And I said, well, so let me give you an example. So I told the story about my cousin Richard. And Richard, you know, it's probably safe to say, well, first of all, Richard's never going to hear this um, because, you know, he's probably in prison right now. Um, and we were at my mother's funeral. And my cousin Richard comes up to the door and he has a 40 you know, in a paper bag, and he says to me, hey, Paul, um, you know, I can put the, the beer down 
if you need me to, you know, out of respect for your dead mother. And I was like, no, you know, my mom wouldn't have cared. I don't care. Come on in, you know. So he's he's drinking his beer, you know. Um, like I said, he's in and out of prison a lot. And he sits down in the living room. It's my dad, my uncle, my daughter, right, and then myself. And all I could think about was, please don't tell the car story. Please don't tell the car story. The first thing out of Richard's mouth was the car story. So basically, when I was in, I was probably 25, one of the first cars that I bought in Minnesota, um, I can't remember, it was like a Dodge Duster, but it was, it, yeah, it was, it was not in good shape. I drove it down, and I was coming down to pick up a car from my dad. Um, that I bought from my dad. And so I didn't know what to do with this car. And so my cousin Richard says, well, I'll buy it from you. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And he goes, does it run? I was like, yeah, you know, it kind of runs. Um, I mean, I, I drove it down in, from Minnesota, but it's it's kind of on its last legs. And he goes, no, I'll buy it from you. He's like, uh, what, do you, what do you want for it? I said, like, I don't know. I mean, it runs, it's, you know, 500 bucks. And so I sell the car for 500 bucks. It's probably end of day. I mean, within 12 hours, I get a call and it's from the Jefferson Parish police. And they're asking me, do I own this Dodge Duster or whatever? And I was like, no, I sold it to my cousin Richard just a few hours ago. Um, you know, we obviously haven't been able to process the title or anything like that. I was like, why do you ask? And they were like, well, it's in our custody right now. Um, it's got eight bullet holes and your cousin Richard was shot in the knee. And so I was like, oh my goodness, you know, it's so crazy. So I'm, I'm telling you guys this story the same way Richard was telling the story as my daughter's in the living room with my mother, you know, literally passed away two days ago. And so, so my daughter's text messaging her friends like frantically, oh my God, you can't believe the story I am hearing right now. Um, so, so Richard recounts his experience because he, he basically robbed a liquor store and ended up going to jail after being in a shootout with the police, which I have to say, as gangster as I might want to be, I ain't never been that gangster. <laughs> I've never really been involved, you know, in anything remotely similar to that, you know, nor do I ever want to be involved in anything remotely similar to that. I certainly don't want my 14-year-old daughter to be hearing that anyone exists that way in real life and not on television, right? So he starts talking about his time in prison. And I'm like, dude, my kid is right here. Can we, I mean, where's your filter? You know, and, and at the same time, it was like the most entertaining, funny story ever. I mean, if you ever watched The Wire 
or you know any of these types of shows. I'm trying to think of what the other HBO. Um, where the, what now? It was Oz. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. The the prison, yeah. So he was talking about um, how you know the prison was basically gangs um and how the 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 prison was sort of segregated and that he was sort of for, forced to join the Aryan brotherhood for protection right so this is like some tv type stuff you know and he's like and the thing that was really kind of sucked about it all was the fact that you know when you were part of one of these groups you had to ride or die you know and he's like and ride or die means you could die you know and he like emphasizes it you know and now my daughter's really frantically texting her friends like this guy's talking about you know dying in prison um and so eventually you know Richard quits telling the story and we, we kind of get him off on the porch and, and the, the, the story sort of ends there. But, uh, so when April tells you how she's willing to ride or die, I really don't think, you know, to the level that, you know, some people talk about it. So I thought that was, um, relatively entertaining, <laughs> or maybe maybe people won't think so, but you know, more than more than anything, I, I, want, <laughs> I want I want people to know. Like one of the reasons why I want to have like more coaches on these things, and I want I want people to know like we're regular people, you know. Um, and I, I I thought that that was kind of a, a funny story. Well, I have to, I have, I have to admit, as a follow up to your story, and and Thomas slightly deserves, but I have a fascination with prison shows. <laughs> I watch, I watch a lockup all the time. I have no idea what that is. Oh, awesome! It's it's like a real life prison lockup show. It's like it's like real life. I am just fascinated with it. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not fascinated with prison at all. Um, the, uh, my, my only goal, um, actually one of the funniest things that my mother-in-law once said, they were asking about her, you know, you know, what's one of her greatest achievements? And she goes that none of my kids have ever been to jail. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, that is the weirdest achievement ever, you know? Um, we still bring that up to this day. So anyway, I thought that that would be at least an interesting, you know, I, I think that, you know, if we just keep doing these things on fat loss, eventually they're just not going to be any fun. So, um, so keep your, your eyes and ears out on the plan for next week's webinar. And I'm going to reconvene with the staff and then make sure that we're all on the same board and then we'll announce it to you guys. How about that? So I appreciate everybody being here and then we'll just shut it down and kind of go from there. Talk to you later. Good night, everybody. All right. Bye-bye.